we're going to scale in Miami, we're in a, the economic development zone. We're going to scale to 30 before the end of the year. And that 30 on a half city block, half acre, would be the equivalent of a thousand acre farm in the Midwest. My name is Jose Moreno. On this podcast, we discuss current and future trends in the electrical industry. Welcome to the life of an electrical contractor. Welcome to the life of an electrical contractor. On this podcast, we discuss real life experiences within the everyday days of running an electrical construction business. Welcome to the life of an electrical contractor. All right. All right, guys. So today, actually, uh, it's a little, uh, I'm actually a little excited today because I'm bringing on a, a friend, a good friend, you know, it's someone that uh, I want to say I met about a year ago, a year and a half ago. And year and a half. Yep. Um, we, we just hit it off, um, you know, Hopefully he doesn't get a, all weird on me, but obviously he's older than me. And, and I, I looked at that as a, um, as, you know, as, as a means to like what I can, what, what I can grow into one day. Right. Um, what he's been able to accomplish in his life. Right. Um, and how he also, you know, where we met, how we met, he was too looking uh, to better himself still. Right. Cause um, if you follow this channel, if you follow me, if you follow me on, on, on the social media, you obviously realize that you know, my life's not perfect, right? I have things going on all the time, but one constant is that I'm constantly looking to get better, right? To, to learn from my mistakes, right? To learn from my experiences. And then obviously, um, as this show is based on, on the life of an electrical contractor, it, 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 it must bring the things that happen on, on my, in my life, right? So that's why I wanted to invite uh, my good friend, Ron McKay, right? Uh, and one of the reasons, the other reasons I wanted to bring him on is because of the business line, the business side that he's on. Um, he's created this, this, uh, how would I say it's, um, it's this next generation, this next level of agriculture, right? Um, he's a co-founder of a company called hammer greens. I'm going to let him introduce himself, but I figured I just kind of bring some stuff out. Right. Um, and be, actually before we start, I, I did want to bring up the fact that he is an Eagles fan. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a 49ers fan, and, you know, we still love each other. So, uh, you know, I just wanted to bring that up, full disclosure. I, 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 didn't, I didn't feel any love after we lost the Super Bowl for me, that's for sure. <laughs> I did send him a text that said, hey, man, the, the Eagle was grounded. But uh, with, that, with that being said, uh, you know, now that I'm done gloating on that end, uh, you know, what, Ron, why don't, why don't you hop on and just tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about, about Hammock Greens and what is Hammock Greens? Sure. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, I want to thank you, my friend, for having me on. We've talked about this one of the first times we met. You, you said you were doing these podcasts and, uh, you know, it's been uh, it's an honor to be on the podcast. And I look forward to uh, having people throughout our both our communities looking at it and seeing it and learning some more about, you know, our relationship and what I do and, and how we met. And, uh, you know, a little background on myself first before the company. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I mean, largest paper route in Monmouth County and Jersey and, uh, you know, Christmas tree sales. And then I sold boxer shorts uh, in, in Villanova and I did a little bookmaking here and there, you know, so I mean, every, every aspect of entrepreneurship. And then essentially um, after college, I went to Villanova. Uh, we, I grew up in Monmouth County and uh, family from Philadelphia and went to Villanova and, and I went down to Jersey Shore and started building uh, houses during the boom, uh, during the late nineties. And, um, you know, learned, uh, 
how to be an entrepreneur. Then, uh, then the resolution trust savings and loan crisis came in. And the first time I lost everything. And I was like 24 years old. I was in debt $6 million to the savings and loans. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, but, uh, you, know, at, you know, at that age, you know, you got the rest of your life to pick yourself up. And um, I, I was fortunate enough to get into telecom business at that point. That's when ATT, my bell, was being broken up. And uh, got into, uh, I started the prepaid phone card industry, literally, with 10 other guys. We, uh, we got the Elvis Presley merchandising rights and put Elvis on, on a card and that put us on the map. And then we got a bunch of the Philadelphia Eagles to go on the cards. And um, don't think I ever had a 49er on the card, but I had some, I had some Cowboys, unfortunately. I had Roger Stallback, uh, you know, so, uh, and Bradshaw, some of the old guard. And um, from that, we, we sold the, the prepaid phone card company. The, 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 the athletes reinvested in us. We got into the long distance business. We, if you remember, a lot of the quarterbacks would do um, the United Way commercials and be involved in our local United Way chapters. We got the contract uh, for the United Way. I opened up a call center in, in an economic development zone in South Philadelphia, and we would call the United Way people, give them discounts on long distance and give 5% back to the cause. So that company and um, the call, they, I had a, I had a uh, no on compete. And they didn't want the call center. The call center was my uncle was a state center. He got us the economic development money and I didn't want to be disowned. So I had to find a, a way to use the center besides laying off 200 people in this district. And that's when outsourcing first came in. So I got into the outsourcing call center business. Fast forward uh, on 9-11, I was in the Caribbean uh, looking at opportunities to bring facilities down to the Caribbean. My partners were in India. 9-11 hit we decided it was a little safer to be in this hemisphere versus uh, going across Afghanistan to India. And we built call centers throughout uh, the Caribbean over a course of 20 years. And uh, that, that one of the partners passed away about uh, 17 years ago. And I then moved to Jamaica full time. And that was the lead in to eventually hammock greens because during my 17 years there, I became president of American chamber of commerce for the English speaking Caribbean uh, all my clients were the tourism industry, hotels, hospitality, and uh, a lot of times I sat on a lot of boards, uh, think tanks, and one of the things that I always saw was an issue was vegetables, produce, fresh produce. People associate the Caribbean with tropical and this and that, but really, I mean, outside of uh, citrus, it's very difficult to grow anything in the Caribbean because the extreme humidity and the, and the extreme weather. So uh, green leafy vegetables, uh, herbs, uh, your basils, they import almost all of it. And most of the governments tax it on the import. So I was also part of the United Nations uh, World Terrorism Organization. I was at a conference. A guy it came up to me and said, listen, I'd like to do cannabis in the Caribbean. At the time, Jamaica signed a deal with Canada, and he wanted to grow the strains and the mother plants in a container in Jamaica and then export them to Toronto. That project never got off the ground because of a lot of legal issues. But I asked him, I said, the one thing I saw when I saw the cannabis growing, I was like, boy, it looks like a lot like basil. And, uh, you know, so I said, uh, uh, you know, matter of fact, I'll butcher this, but my Italian family would call it basil vagul. So, uh, you know, you know that, that we, uh, and that was not cannabis, but it meant basil. So I said to him, can you grow basil in these things? And he said, yeah, anything green leafy, you know, uh, I said, I approached him. I said, I could bring in all the hotels as clients. We could put these containers 
and I'll get to what a container is in a minute on, on, on the farms, uh, on the uh, hotels and grow leafy vegetables for him. He never wanted to do it. So I started looking into it. And um, as a time period going that process, that was like 2019. I had moved up to Florida, got married. I was going back and forth to the Caribbean. My business was sort of running itself. I was in the technology business, outsourcing call center, BPOs, and um, looking into manufacturers of these things, the people that would retrofit them. And, and basically what, what, what we do is we take a 40-foot freezer shipping container that's insulated. We retrofit it to make a 2,500 cubic feet farm using grow columns that vertically grow the leafy vegetables and, and herbs, microgreens, and use LED lighting and air conditioning systems and bring in CO2 from outside the container. It's a very technology-based. And that's what really attracted me was the, the integration of technology, which was my background with agriculture. And I know when you and I first met, we talked about how, you know, the electricity aspect of it. And, you know, it's very, very self-sufficient because, you know, we only run about $250 to $350 a, day, a month uh, in electricity because of the insulation factor and a lot of the humidity being recreated from the plants breathing and, leave, and, and living, um, even though eventually we'll want to go with a solar solution. So out of these containers, you can grow the equivalent of what's 30 acres outside of traditional farmland. So you imagine a farm in, in Oklahoma, 30 acres of farmland. We do it in a 40-foot shipping container. Hmm. And that blew my mind away. So so actually that leads me into like the next question without really going too far into hammer greens yet. But so really so that when I when I originally met you, that was one of one of the things that actually caught my attention is that you said that this is how was it again? Uh 30 acres of farmland? How, 30 acres of outside land. Growing inside a 40-foot shipping container. So right away, what I started to come up with is how is this beneficial, right? How would this benefit uh, versus a traditional, right? Versus traditional farming. Like you just said, 30 acres of, of, of farmland in Oklahoma, right? How does that I'm, – right. I'm obviously in the New Jersey, New York market. You're down in Florida. Um, there is uh, – obviously, New Jersey is the green state, right? So obviously, there's sure. a lot of green here. There's a lot of farm here. Uh, Florida has a lot of farm, similar to what you were saying to Jamaica, right? Citrus, right? Yep, yep. How does, so how does this, how would this benefit, how is this beneficial uh, versus the traditional way of doing things? Sure. That's a great question. And you take a look at the fact that people don't realize place land in the world is agriculture. And we're running out of land. That's number one. Two, the at number one factor that affects agriculture is the consumption of water and we're running out of water three you can only grow some certain times of the year when you're outside we grow every day of the week every every day of the year and there is also an aspect of through the fertilizers and the pesticides and herbicides used in outdoors, they, they, it, it's very difficult to grow organically outside because you've got you deal with the pests, you got to use the chemicals, and you also got to use fertilizer. Uh, one issue now is we're having the problem with fertilizer because of the Ukraine war. You can't get fertilizer. They were the, one of the biggest producers of fertilizer in the world. So now fertilizer is an issue. 
Then you have the aspect of it pollutes the environment because fertilizer lets off carbons and carbon footprint. So the herbicides and, 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 and pesticides get into the water, water lines, you know. So and then you've got trucks that have to ship it all over the country and planes that have to ship it all over the world. There you go. More carbon emissions. So Basically, the we're, food that we're, we want to eat is is creating the very issue that everybody's <laughs> trying to fight against. Right. The very exactly. OK. All right. Exactly. So, so, so we so hardly I, use I any land. That, I, I guess on that alone, you, you, you can actually push the benefit for I guess you're going to move into a local market is, is the idea. Right. That Correct. Yeah. We, we we put the supply side right into the consumption channel. So we're at, I mean, essentially you're, you're eating those fresh produce, fresh vegetables, leafy greens, herbs, microgreens, petites within an hour where they were grown and within days of when they were harvested. So, so why don't you explain what that exactly means? Cause I know I, I've talked to people about this. Um, uh, I remember we, we just, we were at an event about, I guess about a month ago and, um, one of the things they gave us was like this can of water and it looked like it was a can of beer. And then it said liquid water or something or liquid death. I think it said, and um, right, anyway, right, right. I, I met one of the, uh, one of the, um, I want to say early on investors. I, I met him uh, at my gym, as a matter of fact, right. And where By I work at, and I actually talked to him about, about you. I talked to him about this and I talked to him, you know, leafy greens and all this crap. And, and he's, he's obviously a younger guy. So I'm going to assume that he knows, but what, what is leafy green exactly? Because maybe people are right. hearing this and it's like, sure. what is it? Sure. So, I mean, all your basic lettuces, uh, your, your Butteredge, your, your Boston, your Romaine, um, then your arugulas, um, then all your herbs, your parsleys, um, your basil, um, your cilantro, um, any, any of the herbs that you, you season with, uh, that become dry herbs, you know, or people that, you know, use them when they can get them fresh, uh, oreganos. Um, then, then we have, um, uh, microgreens like wheatgrass that, you know, you juice it. I'm sure you as a very healthy individual that you are, or a juicing, juicing machine, uh, you put the wheatgrass in, you juice it, you know? So, I mean, any, think about anything that's green, anything that's leafy, um, we also can do baby carrots, radishes, uh, we can do the little plum tomatoes, we can do strawberries, uh, different, different types of berries. The only thing we really can't do is what really is a root based vegetable, something that grows underneath the soil, not just the soil, not the root itself, but the whole plant grows underneath the soil and pushes out, you know, so you think of your potatoes and your yams and, and your broccolis and cauliflowers, they come push out underneath the surface because we're not using any soil. We oh. use 100% nutrients in our water, which is part of our proprietary blend, that then basically as the plants are being watered, they're also being fed the nutrients because we don't get the nutrients, natural nutrients from the soil. Uh, so, so you don't actually use soil in your setup? I mean, hopefully we can get like a, I mean, is that something that you can show? Like a little video of, or a picture of something? I, I wish I, I, you know what, I don't want to throw all the technology off, but, uh, you know, so, but eventually, well, if you go to our, we've got a great YouTube channel. And it shows we'll, all we'll our processes. We'll, yeah, we'll Hammer Greens has yeah, Hammer Greens has a great YouTube channel. It shows the whole growth process, tours of the containers, you name it. We'll definitely put a link on the channel to see because that that's got to be really cool how that's working. Um, uh, you know, so so we you you said trailers. So I know you basically spoke of, about a trailer. I guess is a you know your standard container, right? Your shipping container. 
Um, so you retrofit these containers and you obviously get them ready to do what you got them to do. Uh, the, the next question of this is, I mean, is this considered a new industry? You know, and, the, well, and, and, then, the you know, part, and then the second part of it, Ron, is, is, is does this actually create a, a, a new job? It creates a new, does it create a correct. new, yeah. a new uh, something new? I don't know. Great question. So essentially it is a road when you think of the lifespans of industries, this is new. Um, you know, I, I, I always like the fact people like, are like, well, you know, this company has been around since 2017. I said, okay, well, you know how far Google was around until you actually used it, you know, you know, say, you know, so it's like, you know, because we're, we, we, we're relatively new to the space. Um, most of the, what, what's happened in the last 10 years, let's say a lot of technology has been overlaid to make agriculture more efficient and to bring it more local. And essentially because all the factors I said, I mean, if you take, take, uh, anything that's green grows in two counties, 90% of what we, we eat in the United States that's green grows in two counties, Yuma, Yuma County in Arizona and a county in Southern California. They both rely on the same Colorado River. The river's turning into a stream. They're having issues beyond, you know, and then they're having pesticide issues because if you don't get enough water in there, the pests come in. So, I mean, right away, people have been looking at this over time. The first phase was to take old factories. There's a big company uh, near you in Newark. They're, they're pretty, pretty much the largest player in the United States, Arrow Farms. They took old brick factories in Newark and converted bit built farms inside the brick factories. Now, when we were looking at the model, one thing that we, we the containers are relatively new, less than five years. And different applications of scaling it and different processes that we're using are proprietary, but people have tried doing the shipping containers. There's a couple of manufacturers now that manufacture them, but nobody is scaling them to uh, a farm. Like for instance, we're going to scale in Miami. We're in a, the economic development zone. We're going to scale to 30 before the end of the year. And that 30 on a half city block, half acre, would be the equivalent of a thousand acre farm in the Midwest on a half city block, you know? So most of the people that do the containers, a lot of research uh, divisions of universities, charities, food, you know, and, and you know, things like that. So we're, we're one of the few companies scaling it. Elon Musk's brother has another company out in the Midwest. He's doing the same thing we're doing, but he's hitting all the, the cold what I call the Rust Belt cities, your Clevelands, your Columbuses, your Pittsburghs, to bring fresh greens into those area, where we're we're looking at the hospitality industry. Gotcha. You know, that's our target market: restaurant groups, high-end yes. chefs. Like, like right, finding your niche. Exactly. And going after, yeah. I mean, you know, just like yourself, you know, with the, with your business. Yeah. So, so I mean, do you feel that this is obviously it's a new industry within an existing industry, and then even, and then even a. Uh, taking it even deeper, it's a sub within a, within the new industry. Cause obviously you've, it's niche, right? Like you said, Elon Musk, yeah. brother, that's obviously, I, I think what, what I was getting is when you were saying about the colleges and all is, um, it becomes more, uh, like research based, right. Where you guys are actually looking to actually monetize this, right. You're looking to not, not Correct. only deliver Correct. something, but obviously make something from Correct. So, so yeah. Does, so does, it's, do you feel that it's creating new jobs or can, or can create yes. new jobs? I mean, so it... essentially, uh, you know, how I brought it to the States was I was ready to launch in the Caribbean and COVID hit. And um, 
I, there was this other gentleman, my partner now, who started Hammock Greens in 2017, Thomas Smitherin, and he was a chef, graduated Culinary Institute of Arts and worked for Capital Grill and Francis Ford Coppola in the wine business. And then he got into this business. And he had the same idea, too. He wanted to do cannabis in Florida. But then when the license fees came out, $22, $25 million, he was you know priced out of the market. And then he learned how to do vegetables in these things. I got introduced to him from a manufacturer. I said, listen, I want to meet somebody who's actually scaling these things. Met with him. We hit it off. I said, you want to be a consultant on the Project Caribbean? He said, yeah. They were, the week we were leaving to go down there, COVID hits. Three months later, I meet with him. His business is struggling. And something in the back of my head said, you know what? I got to keep this guy viable. Um, so I, I invested in the company. And then I eventually then uh, headed up our marketing business development and then our investor relations. And I've been, we're raising $8 million through a private placement. We've raised $3 million so far. I meet with the venture capitalists. Uh, I mentioned to you, I pitched uh, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank and O'Leary Ventures, things like that. So that's my role. So but what we did at that point, after coming out of COVID, we got our global compliance, which is a, is very difficult to get. 22 countries were compliant now with all food handling and agriculture. We signed uh, our deal as a vendor with Cisco Foods, their Fresh Point division. Uh, they're a $40 billion company. And Fresh Point is the division that services the hospitality industry, hotels. And the uh, asp they're in Pompano Beach, we're in Miami. They pick up twice a week. Um, and we're in the inner city providing jobs in the inner city, jobs that don't exist. Um, and why we're, why we're providing the jobs, we're teaching the, you know, the, the people and how to eat properly. You know, we, we, we've created a foundation and nonprofit called right now for today.org. We do a summertime program with the kids, the high school kids uh, through the four H's. Matter of fact, our kids are going up to Washington, D.C. next week to present to the national four H's what they learned last summer at Hammock Greens. We're going to open up a food bank to provide food to the, to the neighborhood. And then that's replicatable. We're going to build out wherever there's a, a Cisco in the country, a first fresh point. We'll, we'll build a container farm right next door. We'll bring the nonprofit. We'll provide vocational education, nutrition. And, and make a difference, and not only with jobs, but making a difference from a cultural aspect in the inner cities. So two things that came out of that that I just heard from you, which actually is part of my next question. One is, I, it, I guess that's why Elon Musk's brother is hitting those areas, right? It's probably the more cultural side of it, right? Trying to teach people perhaps how to eat better, right? And, and also, maybe there's a future here. Maybe there's a future industry in these areas that are, you know, they're they're what they used to build there, what they used to do there is not necessarily there. Exactly. Right? Yep. Yep. But the question I was going to bring up, which you kind of just kind of just touched on it was, can this be repeated in different markets? And if so, what is, what, what is stopping it? Uh, uh, what is stopping from doing it? Obviously you just said there's Cisco uh, fresh uh, division. I'm sure it's in different markets, but what, why don't you go into that? Well, you know, we're looking, there's really nothing stopping it. Just a matter of time and, and, and raising capital. Um, once, I mean, the, the, the challenge is we're very fortunate to get the relationship with Cisco Freshpoint. We were also spent 10 months and a lot of money in getting the compliance because Cisco wouldn't run with us unless we had the compliance. We're also, we reason why we feel though the containers too is the most replicatable part of the business model. You know, for instance, to give you an idea, you know, uh, let's say, let's say one of these big farms in Newark, big factory, E. coli breaks out. 
it can wipe out the whole factory. E. coli breaks out in, in one of our farms, we shut the container down. We're not out of business. We got one container shifted. As a matter of fact, when there was an E. coli breakout of romaine lettuce out west in California, we shifted four of the containers to do all romaine. And in less than four weeks from seeding, we're now have a lot of romaine to sell to the market when it was a major commodity and shortage. So that that aspect gives us a lot of flexibility, the modularity, modular aspect of it. But also that gives us a lot of flexibility to go take these and build these parks in very small areas of land. Uh, we have an idea of putting them underneath even highways, like underneath Interstate 95 and in, in the dead spaces there. Work with the federal government to do economic development zones underneath the highways. Um, and so we'll be replicating. The next spot will be Orlando, uh, probably Atlanta, and, and then uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And if things work out with that, uh, you know, O'Leary group, they're they're in charge of going to North Dakota, and providing jobs as an economic development in North Dakota. And you, you know, we know the weather's extreme, so you know these are these are insulated shipping containers. You you build a common entrance through, so you're not going in and out of everyone. And you you know you're you're dealing with the snow and and the cold weather just the same way you're dealing with the extreme heat in Miami. So it's just a matter of time, the evolution of the industry, but also raising capital. I mean, do you, do you find that obviously, obviously right now, Cisco is, is a, is a, a amazing partner and, and you have, you have already created the, uh, I don't want to say cross the red tape that you needed, but you've, you've been able to acquire the, 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 the paperwork that, that's needed to play in that field. Right. And it's been able Correct. to being able to close that deal. And now obviously this can be repeated in different areas, but let's just say like this area here, like you said, you brought up Newark, right? It's a, a lot of restaurants in the area. And obviously not too far from here is Manhattan. And then you have Brooklyn and then you have, I mean, are these air, are these things that are these, are these trailers able to be brought up here and built here a and B is, is it, do you find that perhaps uh permitting is an issue or do you think that that's something that can be handled uh pretty you know pr with with ease since you guys already have handled this in other areas where at times you know perhaps it's a little bit more difficult you know i mean being under a high yeah is sure difficult federal right you're involved yeah, in yeah i mean you know you live and learn we um we had you know this process half of this process is educating the authorities too you know i mean you know so like for instance uh, we had 10 containers uh in miami and the zoning guys came down and they were like, you know, you've got to put, you, you know, th th we were sitting on uh, cinder block footers uh, that went into the ground. And they were like, you got to pour, you got to put a concrete slab on every one of those and, and you know, steel bolt them down. You know, we got hurricane code and all this stuff. I said, no, 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 no. This isn't a mobile home. It might look like a mobile home to you. Uh, you know what I mean? But I mean, it's not a trailer park. I said, this is, you know, you know, there's no, there's no safety, you know, you know, there's no factor that's going to affect the safety. These, these things ain't going nowhere. I mean, between, you know, with the weight, we, you know, all, and all the science shows that all that stuff. So actually that we educated them. And then that turned into a little bit of a, a negative turned into a positive because they did say, we asked them, we eventually want to stack them. And they said, well, if you stack them, you definitely got to put the concrete uh, slab in. But they did say if we put the concrete slabs in, they'll let us stack three high. Oh, wow. So a, a 30, 30 uh, container park can become a 90 in a 3,000 acre farm uh, in a half city block. So that we learned on that, you know, and that's going to happen everywhere we go with their codes. But it's, you know, I mean, 
it's 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 just going to be adjusting. It, there shouldn't be any barriers from that aspect. I mean, I was anticipating coming up and putting one in your driveway. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I actually when I originally met you, uh, my son goes to school in Jersey City. So right away, I thought about Jersey City. Right. I, I, I actually thought about their school. You know, then I thought about my daughter's school. My daughter goes to school in Washington Township and how, again, th these are things that if anybody has driven around uh, schools in the last two years because of COVID, every school has a trailer out there because they had, uh, I don't know, I think they had all their chairs in there. I have no idea why every school had a sure, trailer. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every school that you drove around had a trailer outside. And I... And then when I, when I remember when meeting you, I, I realized, I'm like, wow, they already have this thing. So it can't be like, oh, we don't have space for one. Um, and a lot of these schools, you know, the, the issues, I'm going to leave public schools out, but let's just say private schools. Perhaps yeah, like the charter schools and private schools. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. they can control their lunch a little bit more, right? Their lunch yeah. contracts a little bit more. And we know that, that these kids are eating, you know, crap, right? They're crap. getting um, some of them don't even want to eat that stuff, but they're just forced to eat it. And who knows what these leafy green greens can bring, right? Can provide. Um, I, I found this as a, a really, as just like almost like very. Uh, how is it like when you were going in, like what uh, when they were heading out west? It's like so early on. While it's yeah, pioneer, like we're pioneering it, baby. Pioneering it. It's like it's such a vast amount, like. Like the re the little restaurants, right? Like uh, I was thinking, um, I went, I was in a uh, in France last summer, and I see all the little farmers markets, right? Like, okay, wow, look at all this. It could be a couple trailers set up in a farmers market where, again, trying to trying to offering another another means to to uh to a business that is really listen. If the weather's harsh, it can wipe that out, right? And then what happens when Absolutely. it wipes it out? It's gonna raise yeah. the it's gonna raise the cost, right? So you know that's something that you guys can actually come in and all of a sudden, boom, be be a be a partner. And and I know I know right now with everything that's going on with inflation and everything, like the price of meat and all this other crap, you know, restaurants are having to raise their prices, and then people are like, oh, how do I do this? How do I compete? To me, it looks like this is all again so early on pioneering that it, it can it can create so many sub industries within this. Industry that's not going nowhere, obviously, because we're not going to stop eating, right? We're, we're going right. to continue eating. And it's going to be more difficult to get fresh produce. And that's that's the part that gets me, right? Um, so, I mean, look what happened with the truckers going, you know, basically on strike and diesel diesel prices went up. And then you couldn't you, you couldn't get the shipment of seeds and things like that. They were on trucks uh, and shipping containers outside of the ports. That all played into the whole, you know, sustainability and supply side issues that I never even anticipated. Those were difficult challenges for the country, but they played right into us being a solution. Exactly. That that's kind of what I'm getting at. You you start as the more you're going through this is so early on, you start to see that perhaps the initial drive has now evolved to and to, to hit so many different avenues. Now look what I can you know look look what this particular solution can do not just here, but look how it can do here. And and while it's the idea is obviously to to build uh, to make food grow food and or grow, uh, grow greens and, and obviously deliver them to the local market. Um, I, I want to say that it, it, it crosses or checks so many more boxes when you do have these issues that come up, right? Where perhaps we have a gas shortage, right? We have a, 
a gas gasoline spike diesel spike uh weather right we i mean luckily this year we've had no snow up here in the in the northeast but you know um you can have a dry season like you were talking about in these two uh in these two counties that I, honestly i didn't know that all this stuff basically came from two counties in the country um yeah the green leafy it's, yeah. it's wild it's wild i mean so many insights that, that we just have had in this very short time i i, I can't we cannot go into everything here because we could be talking here for hours and still just scratch the surface, right? But what I wanted to share was like the the uh, the amazing um, insight that that you can get just in this little glimpse, right? This is this is true to me. It's truly a future industry, right? It's bringing a, an old an old industry, right? The old way of doing things, bringing it into the future. Because listen, man, we're going to be around. It's not like this is going to end tomorrow. We're going to continue living. We're going to continue having situations. We're going to continue having this same issue of where we're going to get food from. And this can be the beginning to something new, right? Like he said, he created a, their initial, their initial idea was to hit this. They didn't even, even think about what could potentially come out of it, right? So the necessity of food is not going anywhere, right? It's going to be needed still. And we're going to need innovation to be able to bring this into everyone's lives, not just, not just a specific group, everyone, right? Everyone needs to be able to have uh, access to something like this. And the only way to do that is by people like Ron and, and, and his uh, partners and hammock greens and other companies that are, are, are going to do this as well to bring this to, to market, bring this to your community. Right. Um, to me, this, this industry has a, uh, has so much, it's so early on, it has so much to, to bring into the future and bring into today, right? Um, this is the type of uh, forward thinking that we need, right? This is the type of forward thinking that we need, adapting, adjusting to the everyday issues that are happen happening in our families, in our business, right? Uh, in ourselves, right? The opportunities that, that, that you get to remind yourself to just keep going. You know, I know it's easy. Like if we were in a farm where perhaps it was dry, it's easy to say, oh, now what do I do? Right. Well, guess what? Even these farms could potentially have these trailers on them to have Absolutely. a backup, right? They could, become, they could become year round farmers. Exactly. And that's the part that I look at is like these very farms that perhaps were the two zip codes in the, in the country, they cannot just be a one way anymore. They're become a two way street. So I, I find this to be amazing. Um, we, we're going to definitely put some uh, some links uh, to Hammock Greens on this thing, uh, as well as obviously Ron and his partner's uh, information. But uh, Ron, Ron, you know, obviously, thank you for Ron here. But uh, what, any any final thoughts you want to leave the, the people of the show on? No, you know, I, I first of all, uh, you know, I want to thank you. And, you know, because uh, Hammock Greens, without you realizing its success was it was you, you, you play you played a part of it, as you know. My background, losing everything through COVID, having to start over, and uh, and then meeting the group that we're involved in, Next Level with the Edge, and meeting you initially, and just, you know, guys that said, you know, just say, hey, you know, you got this. You know what I mean? You know, just, you know, clear your head, forget the past, move forward. You did it before, you did it again. And that really played a lot into getting Hammer Greens uh, successful and now on the road to major growth. And the, and the other aspect is, you know, Never stop dreaming. They give you an idea. I'll never forget this, but if you ever went to uh, Epcot Center at Disney World, did you ever go there? I actually been to Disney. And that's the place we never gone because the kids were very okay. little. Well, so. I mean, I went when I was uh, 15 years old. And Epcot, they had this thing called the land. 
and they were doing what we're doing now when oh. I, inside Epcot when I was when I was 15. Wow. And that because they, they were visionaries. They were doing the hydroponic farming, grown out of the root, the lettuces, the tomatoes, and you just it's just an application of entrepreneurs believing, taking taking a concept, taking a model, and forging it forward. And for everybody out there in the audience. Whether you have an electrical contracting company, whether you're a hammock, you know, you've got an agriculture, you're a technology, or you just got a paper route up in North Jersey and you're a kid. Be the best at what you do and never lose your dreams. Never stop dreaming and just forward with your vision. Wow, that's amazing. You know, um, you know I, I know that uh, this channel originally started as a means to be able to share with contractors, you know, what, 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 um, perhaps what the life of a contractor looks like. Right. And perhaps you may be watching this. Obviously you probably, if you're going this far, you're super intrigued about this whole thing. And then at the same time, you're like, what the fuck does all this have to do with electrical contracting? Right. So the reason I'm, I'm, I'm sharing things like this is because where me and Ron met, you know, he just said he was in a place where perhaps he was doubting if this was, if this was possible again, right. He sure. was doubting his dream again. Right. And this community that we've had, that we've built um, through through our through our brotherhood, through our edge program, has has not just helped me, has not just helped him, has helped a ton of guys, right? Continue to dream, right? And continue to believe in the dream, but not just believe in the dream and continue it, but actually taking action on this dream. Which is, if you follow this channel, you listen to me constantly say, take action. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just take a fucking step forward. So. Perhaps this is something that gives you an idea. Perhaps you have a, a, a groundbreaking idea. Perhaps you have an, a way of doing, uh, bringing a futuristic uh, thing into your current, into your current uh, uh, trade that you do. Go for it. Go for it. Because without that, you ain't going to get over there. You won't get to that, that futuristic land that he saw in Epcot, right? Believe in your dreams follow your dreams and have the balls to fucking be wrong, man. Because only yeah. when you figure out that you were wrong is how you're going to figure out how to be right. So, you know, I, I, uh, I want to thank Ron for, for joining. I want to thank everybody for uh, following, for, for obviously listening to this whole thing. As always, uh, thank you for listening. If any of this information you find valuable, hit the subscribe button, as well as remember to share it with someone who you know needs to hear this. And feel free to, uh, you know, comment below. And as always, man, catch you on the next one.